Yeah, hello Parkview, good to see you. Right on. I want to say hello to everybody all around Chicagoland, all the campuses around here, everybody online, Facebook, live around the uh, United States, around the globe. Glad that you are here also. Welcome uh, to Overwhelmed, week number two. Uh, last weekend, Pastor Tim kicked off this series, and if you were around here, it was fantastic. And I'll tell you this, as I was listening to him uh, preach, I, I felt like he was talking directly to me. You ever feel that way? You ever come to church and everything kind of good, fine, cool? You come in here and you're thinking, how do they know that? I mean, it looks it's like they know my life, my family, my money, my marriage, whatever it is, my college, my friends. And how, how in the world do they know all that? I felt that way because I, the pace at which I live my life and my family and the volume of things that I feel like I need to do sometimes just has me feeling over. Whelmed, and I think it probably does you as well. In fact, last week, uh, Tim gave us this hurry sickness test. Remember this? If you do these things, you're probably in too much of a hurry. And then he went through all of these different things. And I want to just admit to you, I flunked that test bad. Like I was two questions in, and I was like, man, this is not looking good. Remember one of his, uh, maybe you'll resonate with this, uh, was if you're driving, down the road and you come to a stoplight and it's turning red and there's two or three lanes of traffic, do you always try and size up and pick which lane to get in because the cars are going to go first, you know, when it turns green, right? Do you do that? And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, well, of course I do. You know, I mean, it would be negligent not to do that, right? I've got things to do. I mean, one of my mottos uh, when I come up to a stop, you know, light is never get behind an electric car uh, unless it's a Tesla because, right, I'm, I'm figuring electric cars are wanting to save gas and they're probably going to start out a little bit slower. If you have an electric car, that's fantastic. I'm just not going to be behind you, okay? So that's just, that's, that's, that's where I'm at and that's probably my, my own issue. Um, but here's, here's what happens, you know, we just, we get overwhelmed because we got things to do, we got places to be and here's what we're going to learn this weekend in our study. This whole idea this whole feeling of being overwhelmed is really nothing new. It's nothing new. In fact, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the Bible this weekend. And we always want to do that on the weekend, right? We want to know what the Bible has to say about our lives, not just what we think about our lives. So we're going to go back to a place in the Bible where Jesus is with some of his best friends. And on this evening that he's having this dinner with them, this supper with them, some of his best friends, he can see that they're stressed out, they're feeling anxious for sure. He may be feeling anxious himself. They're, his friends are feeling overwhelmed. And Jesus can see this in their eyes, in, in their posture, in their countenance. And so Jesus does something with his friends to kind of help them overcome the feelings of being overwhelmed. And as so I'm reading this and thinking about this, I think it's something we, we can do to overcome some of that overwhelmed feeling. And so we're going to talk about what he did today because actually what he did centuries ago with his friends is still something we do today. We still do this each and every week that we gather. It's called communion. Communion. If you're around Chicagoland on any of our campuses, we do communion each and every week. We have the little bread and the little bit of juice, and, and, and we do that a lot, but we don't always talk about it a lot. Well, what should we be doing during communion? What should we be thinking about during communion? That's what we're going to dive into today. You know, I grew up in a church a whole lot like Parkview. 
We had communion every single week. And I can still remember as a little kid, uh, you know, the, the pastor would get done preaching and he would begin to say his prayer. And as he started to pray, I would always look to the back of the room because I knew those back doors of our sanctuary were going to open up. And it's like a glow would come through there. And our, and our elders would come walking down the center aisle of the church while he was praying. And they would all have on suits and ties and stuff usually. And, and they would come up to this big table right up at the front of the sanctuary. And, and there were all these trays on it that had communion, the bread and the juice that symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus. And they would come up together there and they would start talking to each other. I always wondered what they were talking about. Right? The piano would be playing just as I am every single week. And then just before they would pass the communion out to all of the people in the congregation, one of the leaders, one of the elders would almost always read this section of scripture from the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to put it up on the screen, but I want to read it to you from my Bible. It says this, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and he gave thanks and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Everybody say remembrance. Remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it again in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus wanted to make it clear to his friends, his disciples on this evening, his overwhelmed friends, that communion is a time of remembrance. It's a time to remember. He says that several times. Remember, remember me. Remember what I've done. Remember what I'm getting ready uh, to do and that sort of thing. And then the fact that Jesus says that during communion we should be remembering also points to the fact that we tend to forget. We tend to forget things. And as I'm thinking about this series and being overwhelmed and the lives you lead and the lives I lead and somehow we get overwhelmed sometimes by this world, here's what I just began to realize. I, I really do believe that a big part of the reason we feel overwhelmed or anxious or stressed out is because we have forgotten things that we should be remembering. If we could just remember some of the things that are true about ourselves and about our God, it would help us overcome some of these overwhelming feelings that we experience sometimes in our lives. So maybe a good question today as we dive into this study is what should we be remembering when we have a time of communion? Again, communion is something we do every single week around here at Parkview on all of our campuses. It has some very important real estate in our service, some, some priority and placement in our service. And, and so what should we be thinking about as the trays are being passed later on today? And the lights get low. And there's some music playing. and Most of our heads are bowed. What should we be thinking about? What should we be remembering that will help us overcome some of these overwhelmed feelings? I want to share some of those things today, just a few things. If you want to write these down, these are some things we could and should be remembering during this time that we experience every week. Here's the first thing. Remember you're valuable. When you have the bread and the juice in your hand, spend some time remembering the value that you have. The world may have said otherwise, but God says you are valuable. How many of you have seen this television show? 
American Pickers. You know this show? It's a fantastic show. It's one of our favorite shows in the Clark House. In fact, sometimes at night they do like a marathon of it and it can be 2 or 3 a.m. pretty easy uh, before I'm done watching that thing. Uh, But here's what happens. These guys, Mike and Frank, they basically go around throughout the country in their van and they just find all kinds of stuff. They pick stuff. And so they go to people's houses and they get up in their attics or their barns or their basements or they get in warehouses or, or they get in somebody's, you know, back 40 of their horse property and find all kinds of things. And they locate stuff that's been, you know, buried by dirt and snow and oil and just all kinds of grimy stuff. And they rescue and pick and find these things that they think are valuable. It's a pretty incredible uh, show. I love it. Here, here's just a few things that they have found in the last few years that they, you know, believe are of value. They found the original tour bus for the band Aerosmith. Pretty cool from the 70s. This is actually the bus. The band verified it. This is the tour bus they used. They found it in Massachusetts out in some back 40 of somebody's, you know, lot just, you know, disintegrating. They paid $25,000 for this. That's what they felt like it was, it was worth, the value of this thing, the original tour bus. Or, or what about this? Some of you guys who are into trains or have parents or grandparents who are into collecting trains, they can be really valuable. They paid $8,000 for this train right here, this Lionel train. Pretty, pretty valuable. Or some of you may uh, really like this. This is a 1938, 1939 Indian motorcycle. Uh, it's called the Aristocrat. Uh, these guys paid $40,000, found this in somebody's house, somebody's garage, and negotiated this price, what it was worth, and, and bought this motorcycle from them. Or what about this last one? Uh, this is a 1959 Gretsch guitar. Mike and Frank paid ten grand, ten thousand dollars for this thing, and then they sold it uh, to one of the lead vocalists and guitarists for a band called the Black Keys. And uh, so they're always just finding all these different things. But if you watch the show very quickly, here's what you realize: the big question is this: What's it going to be worth? What, what's the value of this thing? I mean, the owner may say it's worth five bucks or 50 or 500 or 5,000 bucks. And, and so there's all kinds of stuff. But here's, if you're watching the show, here's what you come to realize pretty quickly. Here's the truth of what the value is. Here it is. Check this out. The value of an item is determined by the price a person is willing to pay. That's just the way it goes. You can say it's worth whatever, but, but in, in, on the show and even in life, really the value of an item, what something is worth is determined by what somebody's willing to pay for it, Right? So, in communion, we come to this place and time each and every week where we realize that God left heaven, descended down here to this earth, and found us covered with dirt and and sin and guilt and shame. And essentially what God did is he found you and he put his arms around you and he lifted you up out of this. And he said, this person is valuable. This person has tremendous value to me. And then, of course, the question that echoed through the heavens was, all right, how valuable? How much are they worth? What are they worth to you? And God said, here's, okay. Here's what he's worth. Here's what she's worth. They're worth the life of my only child. That's what I'll give. Parkview, if you ever wonder about your value, if you ever wonder about the worth that you have, during a time of communion especially, we should remember that you are worth the life of Jesus Christ, God's one and only 
son. That's what you're worth in your life. And when you and I set with communion, when we have the bread and the juice in our hands, we should be thinking, wow, I have tremendous value. Now, I know that's where we should be, but I know a lot of times when we're sitting there in, in communion time, let's just be honest, our minds tend to wonder, don't they? Don't raise your hand on that, but mine does. My mind, don't raise your hand for someone else. Yeah, you wonder, don't you? No. A lot of times when we're supposed to be reflecting and having communion and everything's quiet and the lights are down, our minds just begin to wonder. You know, if I'm sitting where you are, a lot of times I'm looking up at the stage and my mind starts to wonder and I say, look at all those lights. There's a lot of lights up there. I'm going to count those lights. I wonder what they do. I wonder how much those lights are. They, they're really cool lights. I wonder who programs those lights. Do they do it from back there? Or do they do it from up there? And, and I start to just, I just get all off on all the lights, you know, that are going on around here. Or maybe during a time of communion when we're supposed to be thinking and remembering what God has done for us through his son Jesus, maybe you start thinking, I wonder when the game is today. I wonder when the Bears play today. Is it an early game or is it a late game? If it's a late game, then I'm going to be able to do this before we go to that. I wonder if they're at home. If they're at home, that would be a fantastic. But if they're away, I'm going to have to think about this. And we just start thinking about the game, right? A lot of times that's what happens, right? Or maybe we start thinking about, you know, okay, so today I've got some people coming over, we're going to order pizza. If I order pizza, I, should I, when should I order the pizza to get it delivered? If I, get it, if I order it now, then it's going to be here then. If I, that, that's going to be too early because it's a bit of cold. And, and you know, that's, our minds just start to wonder. In fact, can I just take a pause here and just tell you uh, when it comes to ordering pizza and things like that, I, I need to share something with you just briefly today. And that is I have come to realize uh, that I personally have a, a very serious beggar's pizza problem. And uh, I know some of you uh, actually, uh, you know, know that I have this. And so, so when it comes to uh, beggar's pizza, I think about it a lot. It's some of the first pizza I had years ago when I came out here. And so I think that's why I still love it so much. And so just the other day, I'm flying in here to Chicagoland. And as I'm flying in on the plane, I start to think, my mind starts to wonder. And I start to think about that delicacy of beggar's pizza. Right, and so I'm on the plane, and I think, you know, here's what I'll do. I just, I need it so badly. Here's what I'll do. I'll just, I'll order it now. So I, I actually get on the Wi-Fi, and here, here's me on the plane. I open up my computer, and I order beggar's pizza from 38,000 feet in the air. Okay, so I'm ordering my pizza from the plane so that it will be at Pastor Tim's house when I get there, and it'll be warm. I, I have problems. I, if, if you would pray for me, I would appreciate that. If you would send your prayers my way today, that would be fantastic. But here, here's the thing, here's the thing. We wonder, don't we? Even getting into that story, our minds tend to wonder. And a lot of times when we're in this time of communion, we're supposed to be reflecting on God's love and his son Jesus. What happens is there's a courtroom that takes place in our minds. And in this courtroom, Satan, who would be like the prosecutor, infiltrates this courtroom of our mind when, we, when we're just free to reflect. And Satan begins to go back into our past and bring out things from our past concerning our value. He does this to me. I'm sure he does this to you. Maybe we don't even realize it completely. He goes back into our past and when our minds are just free to think and we start to think about, you know, back in elementary school or something like that, how we were always the last one picked. And from very early age, I just wasn't as valuable or as sharp or as good at things as other people. Or maybe uh, the evil one brings back things from your high school days. Young adult days, somebody said something to you in high school. Maybe it was a friend who said something or a parent or a coach or a teacher. And whatever they said to you, stuck. I mean, you, you, it devastated you then, but you still think about it today. And that's been years or decades ago. But it comes back in the courtroom of your mind sometimes. Or, or maybe the evil one reminds you of some sin that you just keep giving into, that you can't get over. Or your spouse who has separated from you. Or one of your kids who doesn't really respect you. 
And what happens is that he basically presents some of the most powerful evidence that he can concerning our worthlessness. And then the prosecutor, this all goes on in our minds in just a split second. The prosecutor, who is Satan, basically says something like this. These are the facts. These are the facts from Todd Clark's life. I'm not making these up. These things happened. People said these things. He's not worth as much. He's less valuable. I I urge you to find him guilty as charged. And then the evil one throws it over to the judge in the courtroom of our mind, which is you. You're the judge. I'm the judge. And you, the judge, send out the jury, which is also you, in the courtroom of your mind. And the jury comes back in about 2.6 seconds with the verdict, guilty as charged. And the courtroom of your mind fades away. The reflection time dissolves. But in just a split second, some of those things about us and some of those things in our past still linger. And you know what I wish? I wish for each and every one of you, I could sit down and have coffee with you and Go back and try and rearrange some of those courtroom sessions that have happened in your minds. I wish I could just declare them like a mistrial and go back and try and add some of the value back to you that God intends for you to have. But I know that I can't do that. I can't do that on my own. But I know what I can do. I can, I can teach you. I can begin to show you how to do that for yourself. And that is each and every week when you have communion in your hand, when you have the bread and when you have the juice representing the body and the blood of Jesus, you can take that time to remember how valuable you are and that he took our sin and our dirt and our shame upon himself and gave his life for you. Take a look at this scripture in the Bible in 2 Corinthians. God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You are so valuable. And, and, And remembering that, It's something we forget sometimes, but remembering that can help you and can help me overcome a feeling of just being overwhelmed by what the world or other people have said about us. Here's another thing during communion, when we have the bread and the juice, that we can be remembering. Remember that you are forgiven. You're forgiven. I don't know about you, Parkview, but for me, One of the biggest things that overwhelms me in my life is just like the regularity of my wrongdoing. Sometimes I'm amazed. I've said to myself, well, I'm not going to think about that anymore. And then I find myself thinking about it. Or I'm not going to do that. I'm definitely not going to do that. I'm done with that. I'm separating from that. And then I find myself doing it again. And the regularity of my wrongdoing is just, it's like overwhelming. It's like, why do I do this? What is going on with me? And it's not just me, I'm sure it happens to many of you. And even in the Bible, as we go back to Scripture, it happens to Paul. Take a look at what Paul says about this in Romans. He says, I don't understand myself at all. Never been there? I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to, what I hate. Then he goes on and says, I know I'm rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. 
And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I'm doing what I don't want to, it's plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like, you know, I just, I, I don't know what's got a hold of me, but something's got a hold of me. And, and what I want to do, I'm not doing. And, and what I, I don't want to do is what I end up doing. I think that happens a lot of times. And that makes me, probably makes many of you feel overwhelmed. Like I can't get out of this rut in, or rhythm in my life. And here's the good news. Here's what we can remember during communion with Jesus. Praise God we have Jesus in our lives. Amen. And he came and he did some things that we could never do to take care of a lot of things that we have done. That, that, that's what he did for us. In fact, take a look at this uh, scripture in Romans. You see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though a good person some might possibly dare uh, to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still overwhelmed, while we were still covered with dirt and pain and shame, Christ died for us. He died for us. During this time of, of communion, when we have the bread and the juice, it's a time to remember that nothing we have ever done is bigger than the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a time for us to think about that and remember that. And I know some of you right now are thinking to yourself in your mind, you're just kind of having this conversation with me in your mind and you're thinking, Todd, that sounds good. I mean, all this remembering stuff sounds good. I need to remember these things and all those verses. That's fantastic stuff, Todd. I'm, I'm going to think about those. In fact, I wrote a couple of them down. But here's what some of you are saying. Todd, believe me, trust me, trust me. You don't know me. This is all good for, for everyone else, okay? But you don't know me. You don't know what I've done, Todd. You don't. You don't know what I'm doing, Todd. You don't know what I'm involved in right now. Todd, you don't know what I'm going to do. You don't, I've, Todd, I've got stuff. I'm going to do stuff. I've got stuff I'm going to do. And the truth is, guess what? I don't. I don't know all that stuff. But here's what I do know. Here, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the word of God says is true about you and about me. Nothing you have ever done, nothing you are currently doing, and nothing you will ever do is bigger than the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what the word of God says and speaks to us. That's just the truth. Listen, Parfew, I promise you. I promise, I promise, I promise. God is not sitting up in heaven right now, looking down upon Parkview and all of our campuses around here, looking down saying, well, I, I can take care of you and I can, I can help you and I see you and you're good, you're gonna be fine, I can help you, but you, whoa, 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 you, whoa. What, what? What are you, what are you doing? No, no, that's not the way it's working. In fact, listen to this, this is huge, this is huge. The forgiveness of God actually overwhelms your sin. How's that for a twist on the series? The series is called Overwhelmed, that we're overwhelmed. But how about this? The forgiveness and the goodness and the grace of God actually overwhelms and covers over your sin and mine. So when we are sitting here and we have communion in our hands, we have the bread and we have the juice, we can sit here and remember, you know what? I am forgiven. 
I'm forgiven for all these things. How many times are you forgiven? Listen, Parkview, you are forgiven a hundred billion times. That's how much you're forgiven. Take just a moment, if you will, a few minutes and listen to this incredible song and let the words and the lyrics to this song just seep into your heart and your soul. Powerful, huh? Wow. I, uh, and I, my hope is that that song never gets old to me, that, that my eyes, whenever I hear it, just always get, get wet and just the reminder and how God feels about me and what I can do through him and his strength. And it's amazing. I'll tell you, uh, yesterday morning, it was early, I was over at Pastor Tim's house uh, and uh, it was about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning and I was sitting in one of his big comfy chairs and I had a blanket and I had my jacket on, I had a beanie on because it's freezing here and it's cold outside and I don't know how to work his thermostat thing. It's, it's like a nest thing and I turn it up and then it goes back down. I think he can control it. I can't prove that, but I think, I think he's trying to freeze me out. And so I'm, so I'm sitting there and I'm studying. I'm, yesterday morning, I'm looking over all what we're going to study today. I'm looking over my notes and stuff we're going to talk about. And I get to this place in my notes where I know we're going to listen to this song. And so I just put down my notes. I stop and I get my phone and put on my ear pods. And, and I just begin to listen to this song a hundred billion times. And as I'm listening to it, it just... It, it so recalibrated me with a lot of the stuff and a lot of the pressure and a lot of the weight that I have even in my life. And it squelched a lot of my feelings of being overwhelmed. Especially when you get to the last verses of that, the last verse of that song, some, some of the lyrics uh, go like this, God of salvation, you chase down my heart through all of my failure and pride. So good to know, amen that he continues to pursue us even in the midst of our failures and wrongdoing. Or what about this? And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. Unbelievable. As that part comes on yesterday morning, I'm sitting down in this chair, I throw off the, the blanket and I risk the cold. And I, I'm standing up and I've just got my hands raised. I'm walking around Tim's kitchen and I'm, sing, I'm singing this out, I'm, I'm screaming it. it, it sound, I hope it's singing, but it's more like screaming out these lyrics. It was a strange sight to just see me walking around in a coat and a beanie singing out this song. Yeah, I, I love it. It goes on uh, to say where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind, you so will I. So will I, and so will you. And then the very last line, the very last words to this song are so powerful. You're the one who never leaves the one behind. It's good to know. It's good to remember, and that leads us to just one more thing I want us to think about before we have communion together all around Chicagoland this weekend. One more thing to remember is we have the bread and the juice in our hands. And that is this. Remember, Jesus is returning. He's returning. He's coming back, okay? He is. 
That's good news. Now, 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 when, the question we have immediately is when is he coming back? I, I don't know. I don't know when. I doubt if you know when. I don't think Tim knows when. I don't think Pastor Tim knows when. He hasn't told me. I don't, I don't think he knows. When is he coming back? We don't know when he is coming back, but he's coming back. Remember those verses we read in 1 Corinthians back about a half an hour ago when we just started our study here today? And check this out in, in 1 Corinthians. It says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death when? Until he comes. Jesus is returning, folks. In fact, would you say that with me out loud? Jesus is returning. One more time. Jesus is returning. That's good news. Maybe you just needed to hear that. Maybe you needed to speak that out with your mouth. Jesus is returning. And because that is true, take a look at this scripture. Because Jesus is returning, therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles that are sometimes overwhelming in this world, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Jesus is returning. And that should help us overcome some of these feelings of being overwhelmed. Now, a lot of times people say to me, Todd, that, that, that's good. And all those scriptures, that's fantastic. And Jesus is returning. But, but here's the thing. Why is he waiting? With all of the stuff in our world, feeling so overwhelmed, why is he not come back yet? And I actually think the Bible has some guidance on that and tells us why. He hasn't returned just yet. Take a look at this scripture in 2 Peter. He isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though sometimes it seems that way. But he is waiting for the good reason that he is not willing that any should perish, and he is giving more time for sinners to repent. The reason, yeah, it's good. It's good for us, right? Yeah. So it's just the truth of God's word. The reason he hasn't come back yet, the reason he lingers is honestly because of some of us, some of you. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants you to have time to come back to him in your life. So here's what we're gonna do for the next few moments today. We're gonna experience what we've been talking about in study. We're gonna experience communion together like we do every week. And in just a few moments on all campuses around here, some people are gonna come down the aisles and they're gonna pass out these trays that have communion in them, some bread and some juice. It represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that was given for us. And as you take this bread and this juice today, here's what I want to ask you to do. Just hang on to it for a minute. Take it in your hands and hang on to it for just a moment. And we're all going to take communion together here in just a few minutes. So take it when the trays are passed, hold it in your hands. And while you're holding the bread and juice in your hands this week and in coming weeks, remember these things. You not somebody standing next to you, you, you are so valuable. I don't care what the world has said, God gave his son for you. You are completely forgiven. And one of these days, Jesus is returning. He's coming back. Let's remember those things. Let's pray together. God, today, as the lights get low and our heads are bowed and we have the bread and juice in our hands, 
God, would you help this world kind of just melt away? And may we draw close to you during these moments and may we remember what's true and what you say of us. God, take this time as we commune with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.